1991, Mickey and Minnie Mouse got married. Or at least their voice actors did. Wayne Alwyn and Russie Taylor. Welcome to Two Thirds Focused. I'm Rasmus. No, you're not. At this point, we all know that your name is Christmas and, and I'm Red. And I'm not young. Yay. Hello, Ellen. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome first back. Off, in my defense. No, first off, in my defense, Austin is from Texas. He is Chris Cash's brother. He is younger than I am. And because he's American, he can't understand anything but Texas. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Your name is Christmas for now. Yes. That, that's it. Fuck. <laughs> Alan, yeah. how, how the fuck are you doing? I'm doing well, Christmas. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Thank you, Alan, for the support. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yes. No, I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be here. Happy you're here. It's been, it's been a while since we, we chatted for the yes, last I've, time. I've been here, but I don't remember when it was. It was a while ago. I have no idea. I know it's more than one month, so... That's it. Yes. Absolutely. And you've been busy. You've been packing and I am doing still repairs. very busy. Yes, I am moving house in two weeks. <laughs> and I have I moved here with nothing and I've managed to gather a lot of stuff in the meantime. So now now I have to pack it yep. all. Yep. So that yes, happens. in progress. Um some things are getting thrown out. It's a good excuse to do some shifting of do I really need this piece of wood or can <laughs> I do with the twelve other pieces of wood that I have no purpose for? Certainly is a good um, one. You should keep it. I'll count to make sure I have enough. But no, some things are being thrown away, but a lot of things are being packed. And, you know, the risk of having a lot of hobbies, there's a lot of stuff yeah. to pack yeah. as well. But I am very happy I found a decent size apartment with an extra bedroom so I nice. can bring crafting stuff and, and not Ooh. get rid of everything. So that's very good. And guests. Hmm? And guests. I can also have guests, yes. Yeah, for Christmas, like you're, you're already inviting yourself <laughs> to Ellen's new place. She hasn't moved in yet. No, I'm just just keeping my options open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good. There is already a list starting of people that want to come visit, so noted. That's Excellent. Cool. <laughs> uh, how are you managing to pack everything and get everything ready within two weeks? Because you said you came with little stuff and you're going back with a lot of stuff. Reminds me mm -hmm. that when I went to Japan, we had two suitcases, suitcase, suitcase, suitcases. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> and and we came back with a full container of stuff. And most of them, not most of them, but yeah, part of them were, were also for my hobbies at the time. So how is it going for you? Do you have to, to rent a, a container or a truck or how are you managing it? Yeah, so thankfully I'm not moving continents this time, or yeah. not, not at all. It's only a three-hour drive, so it, okay. it's manageable. It is another country, but it's not... Well, last time I was moved from Denmark, it was an eight-hour drive, and that's quite a different thing. Yeah. yeah. So we rented, like, the biggest truck you can get on a normal driver's license. Mm -hmm. And then my mom is coming over here with that. We're going to fill it up. It's probably not going to fit everything, but a decent amount, at least all the furniture. And then I might make another trip with a van or something. Okay. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you have to take care of, of paperwork to move back? So much paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and it only got worse because now I'm bringing a car that I have to officially import, and I'm oh, bringing yeah. a dog. Oh, oh yeah. So yeah. yes, yeah, there is an sheet. <laughs> maybe you can snuggle the dog in the trunk of the car and just like, eh, it's good. 
So oh. you found it on the streets. Yeah. When you get you there. Just follow me. There's nothing I can do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> teach no, her to play. Yeah, <laughs> teach her to play dead so she she can oh. <laughs> play dead, not be dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead, no, like I know. no, the car is the most work. The dog is not as much. It's just a couple forms and like a check at the vet and stuff like that. But okay. No, I mean moving is a lot of work. Moving countries is a lot more work. Mm. So I have a big spreadsheet of all the stuff I need to take care of and, and arrange. But what's the plan for after the move? You you have any idea, or it's just like a big new blank page of next adventure thing? Yeah, next adventures. I mean, I'm moving to a more populated area. There's going to be more things to do. I want to join some clubs again. Like right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a nice change to have some options again and start yeah. living a bit of a different life. Sure. A social life? Maybe even. I mean, I'm, I am definitely an introvert, so I'm going to lock <laughs> myself in my craft room quite a bit of the time, but it's good to have options. Sounds good. Sounds a good good thing yeah. to do. Yeah. How about you guys? How are you doing? Raz, you're the oh. one coming back from the US and make a camp, so you have the, you have the priority on that one. I was going to say, well, you, you probably don't have so much to talk unless your car broke down again. It did. How do you know? <laughs> because, because it's your car. Yeah, no, it's not, it's the not car is broken. You are. <laughs> it's not broken, I say, but I have to MOT in two months. Yeah. So I'm starting to prep it to be just, just to be sure that it, it will pass the, mm-hmm. the MOT. But no, no, it's good. I've, be, I've been super busy the past two weeks. First of all, finishing my balcony, my Zen garden balcony. Yeah. It's all done now. That's looks so good. Thanks. It was a lot of work, but it was really fun to do, especially the, the terrace part of it. Mm. And now it's like really, really, yeah, peaceful. Lindsay told me it, well, it, it looked peaceful and that's exactly the word. It, it's, mm. That's mm. what we wanted it to be. Just a place where we can just sit for half an hour, one hour in the morning, in the evening, and just be quiet at peace and just enjoy the thing. So it's all done. We're happy with it. And I've been working on the forge. Ooh. Don't really need to do a podcast, probably. But you I want... mentioned it a couple of times that you were planning to do things at the forge. Yeah. So I started doing that a couple of days ago. I wood is crazy expensive at the moment in France. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get as much free wood as I could. And one way to do that was to salvage, cycle or reuse whatever the word you want to use for that. The wood that I used to build a cabin for my son six years ago. Now, now he's tall, he's he's grown and he's not using it anymore. And it was mainly used for outdoor stuff like toys for him. It was kind of a storage thing now. So we managed to cleared up and I, I took it apart, managed to salvage half of the wood, which is kind of good. Yeah. Not- yeah. Because some parts are not reusable because it's like it was exposed to the rain and it was full of nails or stuff. So that mm-hmm. will be burnt in. And yeah, I'm, I managed to salvage a, a, a big part of it. And I took the dimension of the actual forge, made the plan for plans for the new one. And I wanted to buy materials tomorrow. Turns out that in order to expand the forge, I had to do some gardening today. And I will be finishing that tomorrow to clear the space, get some trees and and bad stuff where the next 
or the new forge will be. So yeah, it's been a lot of work to do that, but it's it's fun. It's finally moving forward, which is great. I wanted it to be done before winter. Not sure I'll be able to do it like fully, but if I manage to have a roof and at least one wall up before it's too cold to be working mm -hmm. out outside or too rainy or whatever, I'll be happy. So that's that's what I've been doing for the past probably two weeks. But what about so you, Raz? That's that's what we want to know. Yeah, I, I have been adventure timing. Yeah. So I, I mentioned earlier that the class I was supposed to be teaching over at Coal Ironworks in Indiana, Indianapolis. It didn't work out because they didn't get enough people to sign up. Mm -hmm. Which is sad, but then again, I got the deposit for the flights, so I'm not really out any money for the, all of that. Yeah. But I had to pay 600 something euros to change my flight to Indianapolis to Ohio. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I also got nearly a week extra into shop to make more shit and get more things done. Nice. Which was really good. So I flew over on Sunday, met up in Ohio uh, with Joe and Jim uh, of Thornwood Forge. Yeah. who was teaching a class at uh, Zach's place, Yeah, which was a lot of fun. So I landed there just after they finished the class and they were like still into the, in the workshop. Oh, but for fuck's sake, the trip over there was an adventure in, in itself <laughs> because I had like all of the connecting flights and because I need to change my ticket, I only the only thing I could do was call them. And they was reading out like this itinerary on like where my travels will be and the airports in and out and times oh, and all that. No. Like, and like, for, for fuck's sake, I, I can't hear numbers like this. <laughs> I can't plan this out and visualize and all this. And you want me to commit to this thing on the phone right now. You can't send me this thing and give me like two, three, four, five, six hours to like think about it and see no. if it works out. But like, okay, I guess that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Which means that I was flying from Oslo to New York, and then from there to DC, then from DC to Ohio. Okay. But all of this is connecting flights. And I had to go through immigration. I had to recheck my luggage from international to domestic. So when I have two hours in between my flight going landing in New York and then going to DC, mm -hmm. I think that's probably plenty of time. No, it's not. Not, not just immigration. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> immigration takes forever. Yeah, it's it was an hour in immigration, and then it was. I mean, everything else was kind of fine, but it was like, oh yeah, immigration, and then going through TSA again. Yeah, and sort of different order of things. But yeah, it it was a hassle. I had to pick up my bag. I had to run different place. I need to drop it off there. I need to get to a different terminal and then check in there. And then, of course, I had a bag of goodies that I bought at the airport in Oslo, and that needs to be controlled sure. again. Yeah. Uh, which, which again, like I got taken out of the queue. I need to wait for some slightly important fella in uniform trying to swab things. And it's like, I have two bottles of gin. And I was like, suddenly standing in line and looking at this bottle of gin. It's like, so I'm going to security with two bottles of alcohol. Yeah. Uh, stress and insecurities. And I'm like, well, let's see how this goes. Mm. So I, I got through security. As boarding was, no, yeah, something like I got in line for security just before boarding was supposed to start. Yeah. And then got kicked out in queue. And I was like, is, my, my flight is over there. I need to hurry. Can you take the bag and help me quickly, please? And he was like, yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 
And it's like, yeah, I, I have to go do all the steps and do all the things. So you swap the chocolate, you swap the gin. And I was like, everything's good. I can, can I just get dressed while you're swapping things? Yes, you can. And all of that. And then I run off to the, to the gate. I get there and it's a different flight. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? Because I get to my, the boarding pass I got has the gate, had the gate on it, mm -hmm. but they checked that. And because on the airports in America, for some stupid reason, at least at Nebark, they have the flights in alphabetical order. And when you, go to, when, you, when you go to Washington, D.C., <laughs> they put that on the fucking bottom on the screen that changes every once in a while. So I couldn't yeah, yeah, see yeah. my flight and where it was going. So I ran to one side of the airport, realized that, oh, fuck, I am, this is not my gate anymore. I talked to people there and they just immediately said, without checking anything, oh, you're supposed to be at Gate Because yeah. apparently they knew, which was really good. So I run back to the other side of the airport. I get there and I see that it is delayed. I wasn't even there and I'm stressed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I'm thirsty. I'm sweating. I walk, I'm like, okay, it's 20 minutes late. I walk to the next kiosk. I buy a big bottle of water and I sit and I just down that and relax. And I look over and it's more delayed. So it's 40 minutes delayed. And oh, I had man. an hour for my next flight uh, in DC. Sounds and like... Typical TSA and American airport stuff, though. I'm glad you say that instead of typical Rasmus traveling. Uh... No, 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 because that happened. But I, I've, I have not been in an airplane on an airport in two years. But last time was for Maker Central, and yeah. it was an absolute nightmare to arrive or to leave Birmingham. The, the, the queue in the airport was two hours long, and it was absolutely insane to just be standing in a queue for two hours yeah. after security just to board the plane. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, flying is, quote-unquote, never fun. No, but it's it is all right. very evil. Yeah, no. it is. But sometimes it can be okay. It can be manageable. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll pick up this whole delayed flight thing. But the funny thing about flying from, uh, from New York to D.C. was that I was sitting next to a family with four kids, youngest being two months, the oldest being five. Mm-hmm. So I ended up sitting next to these three girls that had never seen googly eyes before. <laughs> so I showed them the beauty and magic of googly eyes and things. Oh, That's they're going to be talking about you for years. Yeah. <laughs> remember being a weeping guy with the googly eyes. Yes, I, I had about as much fun as I think they had. But yeah, the whole delay thing, it wasn't that bad because like I talked to the stewardess, like they were able to communicate on ground. They knew they were delayed. There was lots of other people who also had delayed flights and all of that so like they do the american thing like oh like we can't force anyone to not get up so you can have a free run for it mm -hmm. but we can at least encourage people to notice that everyone with their hand raised is in a panic mode and need to kind of get up quickly yeah, yeah. and she also luckily told me that the gate i'm leaving is right next to the one i'm getting at oh good cool. So and you I didn't got have to pick up your bag because that's the American thing where you always have to pick up your bag and put it on another belt and the no. So I you need to do that when you are flying first internationally and then domestically. But when you are oh, inside okay. of a domestic system, that's already fine. It's that it's sort of manual second. bit of you need to get through customs with your bag just in case you look suspicious and they want to okay. check your button. Did they? No, I'm very disappointed. But I also <laughs> didn't have time for it. But yeah. <laughs> so like, I walk off the plane, I w turn right, and I walk five meters, and boarding is starting on my last flight. So like, yeah. everything panned out, but like that stress level when you're standing in line at the immigration, and then you realize that the flight you need to take is delayed. And it's like, they told me, like, 
worst case, there's another one at 10 o'clock or something like it. They'll get yeah. you there. I mean, they'll, they'll bump you up for the next one. So the system in America, in that sense, is kind of good. They really want to help you and they're really accommodating as long as you're actually inside of the rules and boundaries of the system. Yeah. If you are a little bit outside, they don't give a shit. But yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah. lucky in this case. So yeah, that was fun. And mm -hmm. landing in Ohio, Tracy picked me up, drove me over to Saks. The boys were still working in the forge when I got there at 10 or something. <laughs> I ate the leftover cold pizza from the class, which of course I obviously did. <laughs> and then the next day we all started bright and early forging axes. Nice. And not, not only axes, because like that's Joe's really big thing, but we decided for some silly reason to do something completely new. We made shepherd's axes, traditional yeah. shepherd's axes from Eastern Europe with a socketed eye. Yeah. Which none of us had done before. So it was a lot of... So it is normally like if you saw a, a Viking axe, just an example, because it's, it's vaguely similar in shape, you would just have more or less a straight line going from the back of the axe all the way forward and it gets wider and that's the beard and the blade of the mm. axe. When you have a socket, you have a wider part of the axe that is the eye. So you have more grip to the handle, basically. Oh, uh, okay. It sits okay. in a bit more securely because there's a more steel holding onto the wood. Yeah. Kind of simply said. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't see it often on modern axes anymore, but it's a really big thing on old ones, especially when you needed to have a really, really big, heavy axe, but you want to save on materials. So it could often, often be really narrow going between the eye and the blade. But a lot of the big hewing axes that could be like three kilos, you need a lot of holding force onto the handle so the handle doesn't break easily. Mm -hmm. Kind of thinking behind it. So the shepherd's axe we did had a small hammer at the back and then a bit of a bared axe at the front. And the handle is about 120 long, four feet-ish. So it yeah. was like proper walking stick size. Wait, that wasn't a joke? Because I saw that picture and I thought you just for funsies put a giant handle on it. But no, that's no. how it's supposed to be? Actually, how it's supposed to be. Cool. <laughs> only only thing we didn't have time for is to make a iron shoe for the for the handle, which mm -hmm. it normally would be, so that it actually can work as a decent walking stick for a long while without having to replace the handle so often. But we, we encountered some problems, and of course, Joe was like troubleshooting things on the fly and making everything work really well. But because of how we forged it, I ended up a bit crooked because we did the steps in kind of the wrong order. Technicalities doesn't really matter, but remember that when you want to have a socketed eye and you need to make a downset on either, either side, remember that you need support kind of on either side so it doesn't pun push the, uh, the hole for the eye at an angle, which yeah. looks funny. But yeah, lots of fun. Then road tripping from Ohio for 9, 10 hours, nearly to Niagara Falls, but we didn't have time. And then over to <laughs> Albany, get picked up by Dave Bauer there, who is an angel. And then driving all street down to the maker camp from Wednesday evening. And then walking around, helping, lifting, having things all of Thursday. And then maker camp shenanigans from there on out. Is it the part where you're getting wet? Yeah, that's Saturday. We had yeah, okay. a, a lot of very horizontal moisture in the air. Yeah, I've seen that on Instagram. It's <laughs> not what you want. Fun. I think we actually had more than five centimeters of standing water inside a blacksmith shop. That's kind of a lot. Yeah, uh, above average, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. And I don't I think bet. really anyone was bothered by the rain, like physically so much. I mean, Heidi did the brilliant thing of instead of having wet socks, she walked around in slippers. Yeah. 
Yeah, mine so, as well. I mean, that's, yeah, which was really fun because you had this big raincoat thing on and trousers that match and everything, and then slippers and no socks. <laughs> People must have run out of socks pretty quickly in that yeah. weather. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was, my shoes, I was wearing my old workshop boots, which used to be watertight, but mm -hmm. because I probably melted the seam somewhere, it's mm -hmm. not so watertight anymore. So I, I walked around getting slightly damp feet, but I saw lots of other people that was running around in sneakers and like they were oh. squeaking the rest of the weekend. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. Mm. And I had two pairs of shoes because I also had my, my flying shoes, which are my Norwegian hiking boots, <laughs> which are watertight. And then I had my workshop boots, which used to be my army boots, which used to be watertight. So I was kind of lucky in that sense. And but I was also get bags. Yeah, or just lots of newspapers. I mean. Mm, plastic bags work pretty well. I, I know, I know. I've, I've done that plenty of times in this country. Yeah. But also, I was camping in Grant Alexander's tent down by the creek, sort of on the backside of far away from everything. Mm -hmm. And when it rains a lot, the rivers grow. Oh. <laughs> so the, this You've been flooded? Uh, no, I was really lucky in all aspects because, like, I mean, my, my old scouting habits kicked in. So I picked this exact same spot as I did last year. Yeah, because it was close by the river, so I could mostly hear to that going by, and not so much of the partying and the questionable karaoke going on. But it had a couple of really good benefits because there was a small mound in between me and the rest of the camping grounds, so all of the water that got to the camping ground didn't get over to me. Smart. And because I was just on a flat bit in in a hill, all of the water that sort of got there just ran past me, and it and it was in between big trees. So it wasn't a lot of rainfall just there. But I was close to the river, and the river rose by at least half a meter. Yeah. So uh, I got a message from Tim, who gave me a lift last year, and he was like, so that tent of yours? The river is approaching. And <laughs> yeah, we walked over, and I was like, well, this is after the heaviest rainfall, and forecast says it should just get easier and easier from here. So mm -hmm. if there's not a lot of tributaries coming down into this river, this is the tallest it should be. Mm -hmm. Should. Should, yeah. So it's like, okay, I'll put a stick and some rocks in the border here, and I'll come back in an hour and see if I can still find them. Mm -hmm. And luckily, I could see slightly more of the stick and slightly more of the boulders. So it's like, okay, I'll check back in two hours. <laughs> and I did, and now I know I can see that the water had fallen by 10 centimeters or something. So I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm golden. But it was kind of dicey at that moment. It was like, should I bother to move my tent up on top of the mound where I was camping? Could I just that be doing all of the questionable meteorological things and I was like I think I'm good but it could be really interesting if I'm not <laughs> yeah. yeah you were lucky to have to have manageable rain so to speak like it was yeah. not not fun to to be camping whilst it was raining for sure it's just like not a disaster like yeah, yeah. Some of a, lot, a lot of other people were a lot more unlucky than I was, yeah. who had camped in a slump and had their just entire tent be soaking wet. Oh. And, uh, uh, that's miserable uh, after a day in the rain to then go into a, like a wet sleeping bag. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think also I heard some people who bought into the, the rooms at the Blackthorn that they reported that like, yeah, there was water running down the inside of their wall. Oh, like yes. <laughs> but, which didn't surprise anyone who has been at the Blackthorn. I was like, yeah, this is all kinds of sketchy, sketchy shit. But I mean, the, the team working at the Blackthorn was amazing. Like they dug out trenches to lead the water away. They put up barricades and like they did a lot of work to actually make sure that as few people as possible was affected and as many people as possible could be comfortable. Mm -hmm. But I mean, they also took had to take the power to a hell of a lot of tents because 
fuse boxes don't like to be underwater. Yeah. yeah so I, it, it affected a lot the camp. Yeah, I talked to Patty, who was doing the sewing tent, and then it was never shut down at all. Okay. But I think nearly everybody else who used power was shut down. Okay. Hmm. And of course, the have a go at blacksmith thing. Granted, they also have to take the power, but because you don't want to put the entirety of the forge fire inside of the tent. Yeah. As soon as it started raining and you got like a heavy downpour and you just had this wall of water streaming off the tent straight into the fire pots. Oh. Amazingly, none of the fire pots cracked. But that's good. Yeah, that's some quality stuff that Bob Menard was bringing. Yeah. But also, I mean, that, that was fun. That was interesting to see. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. But lastly, before I'll, I'll, I'll let us pretend to have a topic, despite it always being all about me, I, I brought all the stuff over to sell. And I sold nearly everything I brought. Oh, that's Ooh. nice. I, I think nice. I was left with... Even the rusted knives? I, yeah, well, yeah. So also because, well, the, the rain didn't help on the rusty knives, but the, yeah. rain, the, the knives got rusty before that because I left a lot of the knives that I wasn't selling or didn't have room for at the table in the, a cloth bag on the ground in paper towels. Mm -hmm. And because there was just moisture around, yeah. the cloth bag just sucked everything up from the ground. Yeah. It was just, oh, next morning, there's rust spots outside of the paper towels. Plastic bags. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, you're right. Everything is plastic bags. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I was lucky that the next tent over was Brodeback Ironworks. Mm -hmm. So I just ran over and it's like, I showed him a handful of rusty knives and it's like, I have problem. Can you help me? Mm. And he was like, you know how to use this? Yeah, vaguely, because Saks had nearly the exact, exact same machine. So it's like, yeah, just <clears throat> just wait for free turn and use the belts. Here's these, here's more there, then just have at it. And I just used a really fine scotch brat belt. Yeah. And I just cleaned up every single side. And I used that to set up a new edge on it as well. And cool. I had to run over a couple of times because I had a lot of knives with me. But, <laughs> but yeah, they really saved my bacon. Nice. Thanks to them. Mm -hmm. That's so that that's kind of my adventure. Going home was fine. It just severely jet lagged and arriving early in Oslo and then running straight to work to take care of orders that had come in while I was away. And then and moving the Parama again to put it yes. at its final destination. Yeah, which is probably the best idea I ever had while not having slept for 24, yeah, yeah, yeah. 36 hours or whatever it was at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm very smart. I almost get angry at you for doing that and I was like nah he's too tired to take it so because <laughs> it made me mad to to knowing that you were probably tired just mm. back from the camp and moving that parama alone in the shop I was like he, he's gonna kill himself he's gonna do something and fortunately no, it didn't happen yeah I mean, I mean I'm not lifting it a lot I'm I'm just using the power jack getting it through it's the parameter yeah, and it, just lifting it a little bit it just yeah. just enough to clear the ground yeah, but you still have you have to push it and and pull it in order to put it at the right spot. And being tired and doing that, yeah, fuck, you're young, I know. But one day it <laughs> yeah. will it will become dangerous to do that. So probably learn early. Yes. No, but I'm I'm glad you had a great tip trip and and you're back in the shop and and healthy and rested, almost rested. It will get better. Just like yeah, uh, I I. I think I slept 10 hours this last night. Uh, good. That's good. So uh, it, by account of last year, I think I should be back to normal by tomorrow. At least yeah. very close to normal. Mm -hmm. 
or however close to normal any of this head <laughs> can get. Relatively speaking. Yeah, there's that. Nice. Well, happy you had a, a nice trip and a great yeah. adventure over there. Mm. I'm not jealous. You so should come sometime. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I should probably go there. I'm happy. I was honestly. I when I saw the 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 footage on Instagram, the, the rain and everything, I was like, oh damn! Yeah. I'm happy not to be there because it was like 32 degrees outside here and sunny, hmm. and I was doing like carpentry, which I you yeah. shouldn't do when it's that hot. You should uh, do anything when it's that hot. Yeah, but I was happy not to be soaked wet in mm. the in the cold of the the US. But yeah, definitely I want to go there one day for sure. Yeah, you should. I I got to talking with a lot of interesting people and mm, yeah. catch up with lots of people I met last year. And see a singing banana. I I saw. An yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh fucking god, she she's <laughs> yeah. There's so many tiny stories from all of this that it. I, I could just take up the entire episode and it would Yeah, we'll do a anyway. special make account. Nah, it, it's fine. It's fine. It's just silliness and most of it is on Instagram or it was on Instagram anyway. Yeah. I'll see if I can actually maybe stitch together a bit of a story from all of these shenanigans. And... Yeah, you said that last time as well for something else and you haven't done it yet. Shut up. <laughs> just, just no, I did that mind. last time. I did that. That was the, the Diva Museum in, in Antwerpen. Okay, good. I did that. You just don't pay attention. I tried he to. He said but... while checking his phone to see if he actually did the thing. <laughs> I don't remember seeing it. Yeah, me neither. That's why I'm... It's there. I... It is there. Ha. Huh. Did you post it? Maybe it's, you it's did highlight. it. It's a highlight. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, and, sorry. I, yeah, I have a video I was supposed to do as well. That Just with all of the images. Just I haven't done that yet. So, okay. I'm, I'm half correct. Yeah. I'm half wrong. Instead of talking about my failings, what was the topic? Seasons. If I remember correctly, because we you had a, a, a really short discussion with Ellen to see if we had an idea for a topic for tonight. And Ellen, you mentioned that you are a seasonal person. Yeah, I, I get very much affected by the seasons in crafting specifically. I mean, also in life. But yeah, I was just wondering if that was just me that like has different crafts for different seasons or if that affects you guys as well. No, you're not the only one. And I was I was thinking about that after we chatted about the topic. And I was like, very, I'm really like you. I'm very much into having different occupation depending on the temperature and the weather outside. And when I was mentioning carpentry in a sunny day when it's 32, don't do that. But it's not something that I should be doing or I wanted to be doing, but I've been... As I mentioned before, I wanted to finish the forge before winter. So I had mm. to take the cabin down and start building the forge. Luckily, it was sunny and not rainy because it's going to start raining and get cold this weekend. So usually I try to do all my outside work in, during spring or fall, autumn. Mm. And here, summer is just way too hot to be doing something outside. And winter is way too cold to be doing something outside. So I try to manage my time and my project to fit what I can do outside when there is a necessity to do something outside. So typically, I would be doing leather work during summer and winter because I'm I can be inside. It's not too hot. I can I have the AC in the summer and the heater during winter. 
And everything else would be when the temperature is manageable, when, when I, I don't die outside by mm. working. But that's for my maker life, so to speak. But I, I'm also very much like it as a person. Like winter for me is just the, this time. I'm like a bear. I just <laughs> tend to sleep and not go outside for two months. How do bears with insomnia hibernate? Painfully. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> have you not seen this video of a bear just after winter emerging from his cave? Like he's been, is <laughs> the worst hangover of his life. Like he has no color anymore. He's like, what the fuck is happening? Why am I, am I alive? You need disoriented. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, I've not seen that. I need to look that up. That's the best video on the internet at the moment. But yeah, anyway, I'm doing that because here we don't really have seasons anymore. On the on on the like social calendar, let me explain. Mm. Obviously, we have differences in temperature and weather, but there is no more like fifty years back festivals or important things happening throughout the years to define seasons anymore. Whereas when I was living in Japan, there was always something every almost every week to remind you that, oh, now it's winter, so you have to do that. Or we are having a festival or there is a matsuri or there is this gathering of family and friend. So your life throughout the year is punctuated by these events. Mm. And so you're very much aware of the, the where you are in the year. You know that it's January. You have the January activities, you have the January food, you have the January events. And here there is nothing like that. So it's like, it really depends on you, what you you want to be eating, doing during the year. But the season is not something very important. I would say your life does not depend on the weather or the temperature of the months of the year. So I have observed that... Yeah, two months of winter is me being at home, doing stuff at home, not willing to be outside that much because of the cold, obviously. Same thing for summer because too hot. So I have to force myself to do stuff during those periods of time. Otherwise, I would just like do nothing. Like I would be working at home, but I will not mm. go outside for any kind of reason. So yeah, as a maker, as, as a person, seasons, temperature, weather is can affect or define my activities. So I believe kind of what you were saying, Helen, probably. Yeah, in in a way it's similar, but it's also a little bit different. Like it doesn't get as hot here, of course, in the summer mm. as it does where you live. So for me, it's also like messy crafts tend to be summer crafts for me because I can do them outside. Mm. Because uh, I do have a little garden where I live now. So if I want to do like sanding or stuff with wood, I do it in the garden. Yeah. So for me, that's very much a summer thing. Then I'm not going to do that in the winter. And then there's just, so there's practical things to it. Like just what can I do at, at which temperatures in, with the space that I have? Yeah. But then there's also very much an emotional side to it where, because I, when I thought of this topic, I was curious about it. It's because just this week I cast on a new pair of socks on my knitting needles. Mm-hmm. And I can do that anytime, mm. right? But there's just something about like the fall is now really starting. It's getting a little bit chilly. You can see the leaves starting to 
turn. I was like, you know what I want to do? I want to yeah. knit a pair of socks. Yeah. <laughs> Which never works out well for me because it's a winter craft, but I'm very, very slow. Mm-hmm. So by the time it's done, it's probably going to start getting warm again. But <laughs> it, it's <laughs> it's just somehow the feeling of sitting inside and it's getting dark earlier and, and it just makes me want to knit. So there's, yeah. there's certain, certain crafts like that that just sort of come with the seasons for me that there's not necessarily a logical or a practical limitation to it, but it just sort of comes with the mood and and the seasons, I guess. Now you're saying it, I've I have kind of the same thing and, and autumn would be woodworking for me, which is kind of weird because it's not like woodworking, making cabinets and stuff, but that's usually the time where I build a cabin or expand the forge or build a forge or play with wood and, and woodworking machinery or, or stuff like that. I'd never do that when it's spring summer or winter so it, yeah it's funny hmm. that this the atmosphere of of autumn can of push me towards this this hobby and not something else that's funny what about you as you're always forging i bet but yeah does, does the season affect the, the things that you do aside from making specific things for specific markets yeah i was gonna say like that's probably the biggest thing for me but outside of seasonal products i think the only really big thing is that in july i don't really try to do anything productive because for me july in norway gets too fucking hot yeah it's like 12 Especially... or 14 it's like unbearable i know <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah. miserable yeah, yeah every yeah, single yeah. level yeah Whereas like times like now it's perfect because i can mm-hmm. crank up the gas forge and it will stay pretty nice and cozy yeah that being said, with the new workshop, maybe it will be miserable come end of January, beginning of February, because that's when we normally have like a few weeks of negative 20 degrees, negative 16 degrees. Nope. So... <laughs> that's, a, that's a big nope. <laughs> uh, so in, in my mind, that might be a time when maybe I will actually not be doing so much forging yeah, because it takes too much effort to heat up the big workshop for it to be comfortable, mm. as it were. What would uh, we be doing instead then? Maybe I'll just stay stay in the office and actually finish off some knives, like okay. make handles and sheets and all of that. Yeah, uh, oh. I haven't planned that far ahead yet. Okay. On a side note, to all of that, like after all of the travel I've been doing this year and now to the US, I was kind of thinking to myself that maybe I should try to travel a bit less next year. I literally finished that thought and my mom knocked on the door and asked, do, you, do I want to come to Taiwan and visit my brother in February? <laughs> I guess it answered the question. Like, That's a no. Yeah. yeah. So, you'll be you'll be I, traveling even more maybe next year. I, I, I really don't hope so. But why? It's fun to be traveling and it, it costs money for sure. But it's something that it's memories that nobody can take away from you. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not that I'm against traveling. It is just like, do I actually want to spend more money traveling and just having fun? Or should I try to focus more into business? And also, when I'm doing a big retail shop, how long, how long, and how often can I be away on vacation before that actually becomes a big problem? Hmm. Yes. But on the other hand, now you still can, right? Because you don't have yeah. that yet. Yeah. 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 It's just something I think. Well, about. if you can hire yeah. someone to, to take your place for a month or something. Yep. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I've, think any of these things will be a permanent big problem it's just one of the things of i probably need to consider and think about trust me travel as much as you can 
Yeah, yeah, I, I am doing that. Don't worry. <laughs> You're still young. You have no kids, no wife. You are free to go wherever you want to go, whenever you want to go. Enjoy it because the day you won't travel, but you can't anymore because of money, health, family, or whatever. It's not. I, I don't want to say it's painful, but it's like ah, maybe I should have done that earlier when I when I could. So it's always yeah. good to travel, go on an adventure discover new stuff and and you will it's not something that you can regret i never went on a trip and was like afterwards like i shouldn't have gone i, I regret going on mm -hmm. that trip it's all always positive and it's always oh, yeah. something always something i have something positive to take out of from it so i i know it it is just a thing i've been thinking about that well i have been doing a hell of a lot of traveling yeah and i do enjoy a lot of that yeah uh, but i also know I can't do this forever, so maybe actually think a bit ahead or figure out what's the most important bits of travel I feel like I have to get yeah. done. Well, if it's visiting your brother in Thailand, that's that's a good excuse. No, Taiwan. Taiwan. So yeah. same thing, yeah. like different, but same same. But oh different. yeah, I mean it's stupid long way. It it will be nearly twenty something hours of travel, and it's gonna be hot and and humid and. But no, not in great. February. February is gonna look looks good. Mm, we'll talk about that when you come back. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, about but that. choices, right? The priorities. You can't do everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you have to work a little bit to earn money in order to be able to travel, for sure. But yeah. at the moment, it's not an issue, right? You are making money throughout the year yeah. uh, enough to be traveling the the way you are traveling at the moment. Yeah, and. It is also a thing of, I mean, I, I, I'm very much one of those people to pretend to be a content creator on, on the internet because I'm bad at it, both systematically and content-wise and not doing it professionally and a degree and it's not making any money. I don't agree. Content-wise, that's not true. Maybe, no, no, but, but, but it is all kinds of adventure is content in that way. And yeah. if nothing else, it is a story I can tell that hopefully can be a bit interesting to some people. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So... I can justify doing a hell of a lot of things simply on that premise, especially if I also then can go over there and do some research, meet other people in the craft, in a trade and learn things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily be, need to be blacksmithing related, mm -hmm. but of course that's what I'm most interested in. Yeah. So I'm going far away from the topic season, season topic. That's the one. Not necessarily but... because you, you, do you travel during winter, for example? So far I haven't been doing that and why well because i like to do stupid things and winter is the calmest most relaxing time so mm -hmm. traveling at that point when i actually have time to do so would be smart and we can't have that yeah but um... <laughs> so so yes with uh, with the class now with coal ironworks not coming through i'm actually meeting a couple of people at the maker camp who said like they really wish that they could have come to that but it being just a weekend before maker camp meant that they couldn't take the time off mm. so going and doing that or going over there now in march maybe yeah would be a better idea okay. be because i have more time to travel and it might be better for other people to actually take the time off and go there and have the budget to attend the class yeah probably uh so does that answer something y yeah but but why is winter for you the most quiet time is it because it's after christmas or yeah, it is the most quiet time, not because I necessarily have less to do, but I have less market deadlines. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. So I will probably be trying to pump in a few more classes now to take up for that slack. Yeah. But also I, I will now be doing, I mean, I did the Dodos market, the big one I've heard a bit north last year or this year, technically. They're still in this year. I won't be doing that next year. That's for certain. But I am invited to a different big market here in Oslo. Doing that in the end of January, most most likely. Mm -hmm. But after that, I don't have a single market up until May. And then I'll have mm -hmm. uh, Maker Central and various different other markets coming back to back. So, so you have just... plenty of time to forge swords blades. Th that's, that's actually my thinking. That's my thinking yeah. with the power hammer. To actually try yeah. to set aside at least two weeks, preferably a month to just try to make swords and finish swords and delve deeper into that and try new stuff that you can and, and new yeah. product to develop or yeah. you can just shut shut down or you can just travel or you can just play video games yes <laughs> all of those things but this is also the time of the year when i should be focusing on producing stock for all year that too so with me going over to the US now and selling a few roses, I need now for the first time this year to actually make more roses. So the hundred something I made earlier, now I need to start refilling that because I'm running out of the small stainless ones. Basically, you, you don't have any time of the year where you can just basically shut down for the shop and yourself for, for a few weeks. Well, no, it's a lot easier to take time off during January through, say, April, mm -hmm. because I have fewer deadlines outside of my control. Okay. But that still, that's not something that you do. Yeah. And yes, I, I don't do that because that's when I want to get ahead on all the things that I don't have time for later in a year. Like okay. now, today, I just spent a day just prepping materials and counting through stock to make sure I have enough of the things I want to sell at the market this weekend. Okay. So I'll be spending all of tomorrow, quote unquote, panic stocking up on things that I need to get more of. And then I also need to have room in between all of these things to teach the classes, mm -hmm. to take care of bigger projects, to have customers drop by and give me like small random things and they need fixed and repaired or just made yeah, and so on and so forth. So like I am always busy, but it's a planned kind of busy. Mm -hmm. And also in July, well, basically from July till I guess September. Yeah. I also don't really have any markets. That's also like a bit of a quiet time. Okay. But that also means like in July, I would like to take a small break and like just do maintenance on the workshop and mm -hmm. tools and all of that. And the same would be going really for January. Yeah. It's just prepare for the next six months of stuff. So I, yeah, I, I am always busy. I'm always have things I want to do and need to do yeah. six months in advance at least. Yeah, we, I, I believe we all plan like more or less one year, six months in advance when we are organized or when we have big projects ahead. It doesn't mean that we stick to it most of the time. And the same, same question to you, Ellen. Do you have a period of time or a season where you shut down completely? Like do nothing, no be, no, no going out or at least reduce your activity to, to the strict minimum? I don't think so. I mean, I I take breaks. I take longer breaks sometimes. I always also have the day job, of course, where mm -hmm. I, I need to take vacation from if I really want to shut down properly. Yeah. 
I actually quite like working the day job during summer because lots of people are not there. Yeah. So it is quiet time, which actually is quite nice to work then because you get a lot of stuff done. And I don't have a family or kids, so I'm not stuck to school vacations or things like that. Yeah. So I quite like working during that time. But other than that, I don't really... Like I, I, I was giggling internally a little bit when you say like when we're organized, we plan a year ahead. I, I never plan a year ahead, even if I'm like <laughs> organized. But that's good. It's, um, it's not an obligation, no. But no, no. But I don't really, I don't have like a specific period. I mean, I'm definitely more of an inside person in the winter, and I do hibernate a little bit in that sense mm. of just, you know, stay closer to home. I guess somehow. Yeah. No. I, I think it's a little bit all over the place in that sense. Yeah, but it makes me happy to hear that because I'm not the only one like kind of shutting down during winter. And my second question is, therefore, is spring a difficult period for you? Because you have to like no. start, start again. I, I love spring and I love fall. Somehow those are my favorite seasons because things are changing. Yeah. Mm. And I, I, I really I like that. that. Yeah. So the, the worst part of the year for me is like February, March, where nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. but as soon as like you can start to see the little green on the trees like i can yeah. feel my energy coming i'm excited okay things are happening now what are we gonna do you know yeah yeah. and i get a similar thing in fall where it's just there's change in the air mm-hmm. and it, it motivates me that's good yeah but then winter is sort of the like okay well now we sit and have hot chocolate and knit socks <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's weird how i mean for for so long the human activity was defined by seasons right mm. yeah. you had to harvest you had to stock the grain you have to go through winter because it was difficult and then spring and all over again now in our modern societies we are not enslaved it's a strong word but enslaved by no, the seasons yeah. anymore right mm-hmm. We can do whatever the fuck we want to do whenever we f- the fuck we want to do because we have electricity, we have heaters, we have AC units, and we can manage the temperature, the weather, so to speak, and be protected to do whatever we want to do. Either it's like stay at home and do whatever we want or just work, or it's not that hard anymore to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And mm. yet, we are still changing our activities depending on the on the weather the season or the temperature which is kind of interesting to me to see that there's really something like deep inside us that define what we do depending on the the time of the year i think being affected by the seasons is actually really important to us as humans yeah because like everything is changing like not only we as people and persons but also the world around us all the time so trying to like fixate on the permanency of something doesn't really work out you just get disappointed when it eventually changes or breaks whatever yeah yeah so just in my case that the fact that i basically just have two seasons out of the year and they repeat it's mm. the calm season and the market season mm. and like yeah that's like midwinter and everything enjoying Norwegian winter, which is great <laughs> because it's kind of all year long. Yes, we literally had snow warning yesterday yeah. for the mountain passes and like crazy things going on and all of that. But... As we are talking about that, just a quick question and sorry to interrupt, but in your case, Raz, it's even more specific because for almost six months of the year, you don't have like sunlight or almost like it's. I mean, 
Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not I, a black hole. It's a window to the outside. I'm I'm literally <laughs> asking because I've I've noticed behind you that it's it's really dark. But yeah, does that affect your mood or the way you work? The darkness and light, not really. Okay. I mean, forging when it is darker is better because yeah, it's a lot easier to see what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. If there's too much sunlight, it is harder to see what you're doing. Mm. And also, I'm, as has been stated many times, I like it cold because I can just dress for the weather yeah. or I can turn up the heat of the forge. Yeah. When it comes to summer and heat, like the, you can only undress so far until you are You're illegal. Chase down the street. <laughs> yeah, and for chase down the street for all the wrong reasons. But the, the whole mood thing, I don't think affects me all that much. That's good. Good I think it very much depends on like how you grow up because for me I don't think I could live in a place that doesn't have seasons like yeah. close to the equator I think yeah. I would just lose all sense of time and then I'm okay with the darkness and and the changes in that but I mean I was up in above the polar circle for a week in December and I was like so happy I could leave again because that was too yeah. much darkness for me oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But I think if you're more used to it, like maybe for me, Oslo would already be too much darkness because I'm I'm not used to it. Mm. Whereas you grew up in that and maybe it doesn't affect you as much. There, There's a genetic component to that, but definitely there's some sociology and just how you grew up and how you think about it and now know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just the fact that I'm able to set my own hours to the degree that I can choose to always walk to work when it is daylight. Mm-hmm. Like I have friends who like, yeah, they'll show up at work at seven and for two, three months out of the year, that's darkness. And then mm-hmm. they might be leaving Gosh. again in like three something, four uh, in the afternoon and it is dark again. Yeah. So they don't have that opportunity to spend a lot of time outside into sunlight or to sit and relax into sunlight during winter. So that should be ma- mandatory in those countries. Like I the government would would, yeah. would should say for one hour at least you have to take a break from work and be outside, or at least in the daylight, mm. because it's, it's so dark for a long period of time that it really affects people's mood in yes. in many countries. Yeah, it it really does, and it's not a bad idea. No idea how it would be implemented because a lot of people in Norway, yeah. especially like. "Quote unquote ethnically Norwegian people would just say, "No, suck it up, Buttercup." I mean, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is the world we yeah. lived in. For... I mean, no, we have this... in the Netherlands. It gets that bad. When I when yeah. I had a normal office job in the Netherlands in the winter, I would go in the dark. I would come home in the dark. Mm. Yeah, but I would make a conscious effort. Like I'll eat lunch behind my desk, so I in my lunch break I can go take a walk. Yeah, mm-hmm. and for me that's really necessary. I've seen the difference for myself since I wake up way earlier than I used to. And and I'm way more often outside than I used to. Just being outside and in the light, having the sunlight, even not if it's not summer or hot, just having the sunlight makes me feel way better than than just staying at home all day. And now I have to go outside every single day, which is which is weird because that's not. I've done for years, so yeah, just just interesting to see the effect of the the light on our mentality and spirituality and activities. I guess you just touched upon something important. Like 
what do you do when you are in the middle of the dark period? Or, I mean, even if, as you are, Red, working from home all the time, you don't, yeah. quote unquote, have a reason to leave the house. No, as that, as yeah. You work unless yeah. you make a conscious effort to. Yeah. So do you take some kind of steps, like always going on a walk every single day? Now I do. Yeah. Yeah. Now I do. And well, I'll and... that because I don't think you mentioned that clearly on the podcast. No, last time last time we we spoke about my my great plan of taking over yeah. the world. I mentioned that I I'm waking up earlier and and on a regular basis every day between 7:30 and 8:30 depending on, on the nights that I had. Mm -hmm. But now I make the effort every single day to go out of the house at least at 9:30. Recently, these past few days, it's been for going at my parents' place to work on the forge or the cabin or gardening or whatever. If I'm not doing that, I go do the groceries. I'm mm. taking a walk. I'm just going out in the street to buy some bread or whatever. But I want to be out and just not go from my bedroom to my kitchen to this room where I do my leather work. Because if I do that, I don't go out, I don't see the light, and there is not this transition between my life and my my working hours. Yeah. So mm. now, and it's it's quite recent. It's been like a month or so, but I I force myself to go outside every morning before starting my work, and sometimes it's just been go outside of the apartment, stay near the building, go to my garage and pick some stuff and, and come back. Like it, it takes 20 minutes, but I've been outside. So now there is a clear separation between my life and my work. Uh, mm, I think hours. that's a good one. Yeah, it, it helped me. Yeah, but I feel better. And when I my work is done, my work is done. So it's like six, six or seven and I keep, okay, I've done, I've done my job for the day. So now I can rest and do something yeah. else, which is, is great. And therefore, I can play Starfield, which is also great. <laughs> I, I almost sense a focus coming up. Yeah. But uh, Alan, how about you? Oh, for me, the dog has helped a lot. Yes. I have to go outside three times a day. At, at least. <laughs> at least three times a day. Actually, four times a day, but three proper walks. Yeah. Um, I do, like, especially living in the middle of nowhere, as I did so far the last few years, and working from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were sometimes like, oh, I haven't left the house in three days. Mm. Yeah, done that. <laughs> Which is not good for me. And the dog definitely helped with that. Like I get mm. fresh air three times a day. I get to see the seasons change day, day by day. I can see the leaves, the leaves turning and, mm. you know, what the weather's like. And that does me a lot of good mentally, physically, everything. Do you also get to, to meet more dogs? Oh, yes. I've met more people as well since I have heard. Yeah, that, isn't that amazing? As soon yeah. as you get a puppy, you meet a lot of people who have puppies yes. or dogs, and mm. and you you have a little chat while the dogs changes. sniff yeah. each other. And yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. I like that. I need a puppy in my life. Puppies I'm gonna adopt good. a, a I puppy. I think you do. I'm gonna get a dog. Yeah. When? Soon. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> Come up yeah. with names. Now's the chance. Yes, please. We have names for the car. Now we will need names for the puppy. Oh, yes. did, did did we actually say that on the podcast? That we, no, we landed he, on the name? We, we, we need Jan for the car's names. He's on vacation. It's fine. Just say yeah. it. Yeah. 
It, no, 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 no. We, we, we'll wait for Jan. Uh, he has the list. I don't remember. I, oh, okay. I, <laughs> never mind. I don't remember them all, but I remember some some cool ones. Yeah. Next okay. week. Next week, we'll do that. Okay. Does that cover uh, the, the, the topic now? I think so. It, it almost yeah. sounded like we were done, which yeah. is scary. Focus time. Can I start? 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 I have two. So one is obviously Starfield. Bethesda yeah. game. Uh, <laughs> just insanely good, at least in my opinion. I've spent a few hours playing it. A few hundred? <laughs> Not yet. But, okay. okay. But, uh, soon. No, no, it's a really good game. I've said it before. It, it reminds me of uh, Skyrim, but in space. But it's really, really well done. So if you want to live a real adventure, uh, the kind of game that you can play for months, um, maybe years, without getting bored, because there is so much to do, Starfield is definitely a, a, a game worth trying. So there's that. But I had one else, which is Jess made in Japan. So it's a, it's a guy, I don't know if it's Jess or Jesse, it's a guy living in Japan and working in a blacksmith shop, a traditional Ooh. Japanese blacksmith shop. So it's it's quite an adventure because it's very different from what we see usually on the socials about blacksmiths and, and blacksmith shop. Over there is doing a lot of, of traditional work, like just prepping the charcoal or fixing the shop, building a, um, a wooden bridge in order to load and unload stuff from the shop. Uh, but not only that, he's also making blades and, and um, tamhagane and, and everything. So it's really cool to see. It's on TikTok. Jess made in Japan or JC made in Japan. Don't, not sure about the pronunciation of the guy's name. But I think it's a very interesting account. It's only about blacksmithing, but you mm -hmm. will see very different aspects of his life and, and his work over there. Plus, there is not that many... American people or European people that are allowed to work in a traditional Japanese blacksmith shop. It's yeah. a it's kind of a very close circle kind of thing. Very difficult to um, get in and learn from Japanese master the way they do the, the, their things over there. So I think it's great to have someone that will probably one day keep the tradition alive, so to speak, because all those old Japanese blacksmiths master will disappear one day. And mm -hmm. if nobody learns from them and keep working on in the shop after they're gone, the older that knowledge will be lost forever. So it's a great thing that they are the they, they I, when I was there, there was so sort of a campaign from craftsmen saying we don't have young people to teach to our craft is, is is getting lost now so it's great to see that young people are willing to learn and keep those tradition and craft alive so yeah go check his account on tiktok just okay. made in japan i think it's a good one okay i will link into that because i had another but i also want to this reminded me of something I've been taking a sashiko class online, mm -hmm. which is the Japanese stitching and embroidery. And there's an account I'm following now on Instagram called Sashiko Story. Mm -hmm. And it's a Japanese guy who's been, his, his parents have been sashiko artists and he is 
and he's just doing a lot of sharing about the culture behind it and that it's not just visible mending because that's how the word's being used a lot now but it's that's actually just a side effect of it oh. uh, it's really about caring for your stuff hmm. reinforcing it so that it doesn't break and if it does break then yes you can also mend it but he's doing a great job in just sharing the whole story. He's addressing cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation and all of that stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just finding it very, very interesting to learn about that side of things from someone who's actually from that background. And I'm learning a lot and it's super interesting. So I can definitely recommend that. If um, I mention then, just one sec yeah. about cultural appropriation, there is no such thing in Japan. All the Japanese people, craftsmen, government will encourage you to learn about Japanese culture and mm -hmm. wear kimonos or, or do or make Japanese stuff. So there is no such thing yeah. over there, which is great. Yeah. Mm. Now, I think the only thing that he's pointing out is that Sashiko has become known as, as visible mending in Europe mm. and in Western culture. And it's not. It's about much more than that. Mm. So I think that's that's more the... Um, like the story that he's trying to tell of like it's not just fixing it's really caring for your things and exactly. um, you know if you're going to call it sashiko then be somewhat aware of uh, the original what it is exactly yeah. it, what it actually means yeah. yeah 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 but also he's very much about sharing it and it's for everyone and yeah just all around very very interesting mm. um and then the other thing is a bit silly i recently saw a very old movie for the first time and i really enjoyed it it's called stardust oh um, it's good <laughs> I had no, I, I mean, I, I had no idea what I was getting into. It was adventure. It was silly. It was a little bit Princess Bride, but in a different yeah. way. The whole time I was like, what am I looking at? And then afterwards yep. I was like, damn, that was a good movie. I enjoyed it. <laughs> yep. It's... So if you haven't seen Stardust, you'll have a fun night. Uh, so it, it's not it's that old. Good. It's 2007. Yeah, it is quote unquote, our friend. generation's Princess Bride. Yeah, but when when Eren said uh, an old movie, I was expecting like the eighties or nineties, oh, yeah. or... <laughs> because that's my kind of old movie. Yeah, you because know? you are old. Yeah, 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 yeah. We know. It's years old. It's not a new movie that's in the cinema right now. It's, <laughs> no, it's yeah. but it's a good one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Any? No, Press? wait. It's my turn. Yeah, yeah. I have a thing as well. I almost forgot. Go to, uh, go to bed early tonight. Because you look tired. I, I, I will. Shut up. He first has to say his thing before he can go to bed. Yes. Yeah. So do that. Uh, Morley, Kurt, and Eden. Okay. Mm -hmm. Morley, Kurt, I met at Maker Central this year. Yeah. But him and his now wife, because they married last week. Or Congrats. Maybe, yeah, two weeks ago, maybe, but it comes out. Something, something. They right. decided that, uh, I think, basically, that their honeymoon is going to be van life. Yeah. Okay. So they have Man. started to do a lot more van stuff. Uh, like they bought an old van. They're going to convert it into a camper mm -hmm. and doing a lot of YouTube content together, which is really fun and interesting to watch. Yeah. And I think it is just really interesting to see how they are working together as a couple and how that develops. And also, like, it's a really fun thing to just see them go together out into the, the greater world, I guess you could say. Yeah. I kind of just like the idea of instead of going on just one expensive trip somewhere, they just say like, no, our life is now the honeymoon. You're just <laughs> camping and traveling for yeah. as long as you feel like. Yeah. That's actually so, a great idea, mm -hmm. in fact. Yeah. So there's Morley Kurt's YouTube channel, and then there's Morley and Eden on Instagram. I'll leave appropriate links where you expect to find them. Yes, please. Do we have any last little tidbits? Not for me. 
Oh, I do actually. I nearly fooled myself. Next week uh, when this comes out, the yeah, the weekend of first and twenty second of October, there's Oslo Make It Fair. Yay! So if you're listening to the, to this in the present, and you are somewhat nearby Oslo, stop by. It's gonna be really really fun and really really cool, and there will be a lot of other crazy mad people doing crazy mad things. Are you going? Of course, I live. I live here. No, sure, but I mean, like, I, do you have a booth? You no, are, I no, you're just like visiting. Uh, yes. Okay, okay. I, I've been talking a lot to Hans Gerhard and sort of kicking his ass and giving him all the nudges and the things and reminding him that you should do this and this will be good and maybe this yeah. could be a cool thing. So yeah. I, I've, in no official degree, am I a part of anything, but I have been helping out behind the scenes. Cool. You're the yeah. unofficial cheerleader. Yeah. Yes, and I guess by this comes out, I'm halfway official or something. I don't know. Make it fair, so cool. And yes, I've, yeah. although it will be my fourth maker event this year. Don't don't count. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't matter. Oh, well, if you can't, can't kill it in addition to that, it's more. But anyway, yeah. Can you go uh, up to 10? If I can? Yeah. Could you in a year? I, I, I guess. I think that's the trick. Every year you try to beat last year. Yeah. Oh, exactly. fuck no. <laughs> Unless I get paid for it, no, that's that's not the case. <laughs> maybe one day. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I'll I'll try to keep sticking to Maker Central, and I think everything else is a little bit in flux depending on how things pan out. Cool. But I mean, we all know uh, meeting other crazy mad people that do this similar but also different crazy mad things as you do is very inspiring and a lot of fun. Yes, Absolutely. highly encouraged. Yeah, Ellen, where can people find you? Me, you can find me at Crafts with Ellen. Mostly on Instagram these days, but also on YouTube. Excellent. There will be links in the usual places, as, as always. And you can find me at Erasmus Lewin. No, you can find podcasts. That's the one. Yeah, I saw you. Yeah, I saw your ears twitching. You can find the podcast, us collectively, at two-thirds focused, especially on Patreon, if you want to support us on traveling and doing silly things more. And you can find me at Erasmus Lewin and Lewinsmed.no. And you can find me at the Red Smith or Red Smith or on the internet, more specifically at theredsmith.com. Wonderful. And you can Thank find Jan in Thailand still. Yes. Yeah, because of Probably on the beach with a cocktail. Absolutely. Yeah. On a beach with a cocktail. Mm. Yeah. It's a hard life. And red, absolutely like. Lobster. Yeah. Lobster. Red. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Ellen. Thank you, Ellen. It was great Thanks to, for having me. to see you and have a chat. Yes. Always. Fun. And bye bye. Have a good bye. week.